1897, J.J. Thompson won a Nobel Prize for proving an electron was a particle. Thirty years later, in 1927, his son, W.P. Thompson, got a Nobel Prize for proving it was a wave. Which is it? The answer is yes. Well, we come along with science, but it gets better than this. About that time, a guy named Broglie said all mass has wave qualities. And then they compounded, Werner Van, another Nobel Prize, by the way. Hey, oh, Barack Obama got a Nobel Prize, so anyhow. And, and, then, and then Heisenberg got a Nobel Prize for proving you can't know anything for sure. Now, I know this for sure. All the waves they're talking about are electromagnetic waves. You know what electromagnetic waves are? Light. You know what God is? Light. God has put his stamp in everything in creation. And I believe he's literally sitting there saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And everybody said, I don't see anything. As a matter of fact, we got a Democratic puppet in Washington, D.C., who in 2021 says, follow the science. At this point, don't you wonder what the science is? I know I do. But I know that God is light. And by the way, the equation of light made me a fundamentalist. And so I get excited every time I think about it. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm excited about God. Maybe it would be good if we had a word with our sponsor. Have you ever wondered how fast prayer travels and how far away heaven is? If prayer traveled at the speed of light, it takes seven minutes to get to the sun and back. So God has to be closer than that. We've got a 14-minute delay, right? But that, it gets better yet. Einstein said, if you travel at the speed of light, you exist outside the realm of time. God's light, and he exists outside the realm of time. That means he can be everywhere at the same time because he's omnipresent, right? So as we get ready to pray, remember this. God's in the neighborhood. We better be good. Lord, sure do love you, sure do appreciate you, sure do praise your name. God, you didn't do anything by accident. You're not surprised by anything, and you put all of us here for a reason. God, we'd be foolish if we didn't try to find that reason and live it. Please, God, speak through me to these folks tonight to help us apply that reason to our lives. Amen. Well, let's see. Science. I, I look it up in the dictionary. Aren't you glad? glad, glad. Science, listen to this, it's a noun in case you didn't know. It's the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of structure and behavior as a physical and natural world through observation and experimentation. Whew. I got a better definition of science. Science is man's effort to understand God's creation. You said that's not very scholarly. How about this then? Science is that branch of theology which makes it possible for us to fulfill God's first commandment in Genesis 1.28 when he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Did you know without science, the elephants would be coming to the zoo to see us? Without science, we'd be out in the cold right now, well, out in the hot right now. Yeah, science is a branch of theology, but that's nothing else. English is the branch of theology, which we're going to get to practice on October the 3rd. History is that branch of theology which shows us that man is sinful and not able to help himself. Everything we teach ought to be a branch of theology. Amen. I tell my students, all I'm here for is to teach you to love God more and serve him better. 
We ought to get excited about science. As we study the world, we ought to get excited about the Word because it's His creation. Anybody upset yet? Okay, I'll keep trying. Okay, now, question number one. Question number one is, what is science? Question number two is, how do you follow science? Well, you say, I follow the scientific facts. Oh, we got it now. If you look up fact in the dictionary, a fact is, a fact is defined as that which is true. And you look up truth in the dictionary, it says that which is a fact. You all be glad we have Hiles Anderson College. But anyhow, now, and, and, but, they, but they say, we believe only in indisputable truths. Oh, who decides what indisputable is? When my wife and I get in an argument, we have two indisputable truths. <laughs> you ever been there? Yeah. Glory to God. So anyhow, you say, I want to study the facts. My favorite force in the whole world is gravity. Did you know gravity is the only scientific force which has no repulsive component? Can you prove gravity? Try it. I got a sheet of paper, and I wrote and wrote, and I couldn't prove gravity. Stephen Hawking, who held Newton's chair at Cambridge University, is the most brilliant scientist in the world. <laughs> he believes in God now, by the way, but it might have been too late. He said gravity, it, now this is what the, the modern world gets excited about. Gravity is caused by gravitrons, a so far unseen and undetected particle. That's how it's like some of the boyfriends the girls at Howells Anderson have. <laughs> wow. And people believe that. You know why they believe it? Faith. Faith. Boy, everything we do is based on faith. You have faith to demonstrate scientific truth. So it all, you say, well, I can't live by faith. Do you ride on the Dan Ryan Expressway? <laughs> Did you go to bed last night wondering if you were going to remember to breathe all night long? Did you go to bed last night wondering if the sun was going to come up? You can't prove any of that stuff. You know why? Because you have to live by faith. And you say, well, I'm going to follow the scientific method. Here's the scientific method at Howells Anderson College. It's called scoping. Scoping. Here's how guys scope. They get in the hallway and they go like this when a girl walks by. Girls are suaver. They get where the two of them are facing each other and they pretend to be talking, but they're looking over each other's shoulder. <laughs> you know what they're doing? Step number one. They're observing and collecting data. <laughs> right? Now, what do you do with that? You formulate a hypothesis. You look at some guy and say, I think he'd be fun to date. What's the next thing you do? You test the hypothesis. How do you test the hypothesis? It's called flirting. Friendly Ladies Intuitive Resource Training. The trick, girls, is to wink at a guy so fast he thinks you winked, but he's not sure you winked, but he's going to watch you to see if you do it again. <laughs> so then you get a date with a guy, and you have a good time. So then what you're going to do, you're going to reinforce that hypothesis and reinforce that hypothesis. But where did it all start for? With faith. I think it would be fun to have a date with him. And if everything goes well, all of a sudden you have a law. You're standing in front of a preacher with, with him and another guy, and, and, he, and the, the preacher says to you, and by the authority of the law of the state of Indiana, 
I now pronounce you husband and wife. You ought to be glad you'd go to Hiles Anderson College. What would they have gone? It's husband and wife. When my granddaughter went to the dentist in Oregon about a year ago, under gender, she had six choices. You know, husband and oomph. Yeah, boy. Anyhow, we all live. There are no scientific facts. There are only scientific demonstrations. And everybody lives by faith, whether you like it or not. Now, that being the case, we come to the next problem. What really matters is the object of your faith. Well, God has pretty strong feelings about faith. He says without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe. Anytime somebody says, I believe about something, they've just met, that's a statement of faith, isn't it? He must believe that he is and a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So how do we follow science? By faith. How do you follow that? By following God. Are we okay so far? Well, how do you do that one step at a time, baby? No, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I read that somewhere. In indelible ink. And he delighteth in his way. Or how about this? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're following Jesus. And there, there's a, I get excited about There's a song about that. It says something like, this is a real... You probably haven't heard this before. It goes something like this. Living by faith in Jesus above, sweetly confiding in his sweet love. Boy, maybe you ought to sing that song to yourself sometimes. I do. So how do you, how do you trust in, and confide in his great love? Well, let's see what Jesus... Did you know the best preacher that ever lived, and he's still living, his name was Jesus? Did you know he preached some sermons and are in this book? Open this book to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to see something about living by faith. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 24. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. I've, re I've read this thing over and over again. Little by little it's starting to sink in. Matthew 6 verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know what that means? You can't serve God if you're wrapped up serving money. This book's hard to understand. I'll explain it to you as we go along. Okay. Verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Hmm. God has a system better than Social Security. Boy, you know what somebody is that trusts the government to feed them and clothes them? That's a, an idiot. You know, the middle letter in sin is I, right? Guess what the middle letter in idiot is? I. <laughs> so God's got beat Social Security, and so I've got more faith in God than I do in my government. I hope nobody's taking notes on this. Okay. Now, which of, he asked question, which of you, 
by taking thought can add one cubit to their stature. You don't think yourself taller. Oh, why, listen to this, why think you, why take ye thought for raiments? And this is the whole sermon right here. Consider the lilies. What about them? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Yet they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow's cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, clothe you, O ye of little faith? Hmm. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father in heaven knows that you have all these, but seek ye first, okay? So we consider the lilies, and then we seek first. I've got to turn the page here. You're not supposed to see me do that. I'm trying to be suave. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will shall take for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Wow. I came to the conclusion. The only issue for Pete Cowling is God's will. If I'm in God's will, I'm going to have the food I need to eat, the clothes I need to wear, the house I need to live in, and best at my age, the strength to get it done. So if I can stay in God's will, I got it made. Many years ago, 50 maybe, I, for the first time I read the Bible through. I enjoyed it so much that I cried when Moses died. I, I can't believe it. And then after I did that, I got to thinking, I'm going to read it this time to find a man greatly used of God whose children were greatly used of God. I'm still looking. Kind of scary, isn't it? You know, how about Samuel or David? You know, and so when I did that, I said, then I, this is what I did. I'm, when I consider the lilies, the thing I consider first is my family. And I said, God, I don't know what, has to, what goes on here, but if I have to choose between you using me and using my children, I just made the choice, use them. So basically, as I followed God for many, many years, I considered my children. And it's amazing, you, you know, it, it, how those things work out. And uh, what does that mean? Let me share with you. And Every decision I made when my kid, when my children were infants, I'd rock them to bed, at night, rock them to sleep at night, and go through the plan of salvation. I told God, I don't know when they're going to be old enough to understand it, but on that day, I want to make sure they hear it. And and things were going along pretty good, but I watched the public school system in Tennessee go bad. I was a part of it. I my daughter was in about the fourth grade at the time, oldest daughter, and they were teaching evolution and picking on her. Of course, she's pretty hard-headed. She enjoyed the picking. But, but I'm sitting there thinking, you know, when you get a record, send, get a note from school, send your child's favorite rock record, this is how long ago, to school because we're going to teach them to dance. I went over to see the principal. He said, I knew you'd be here. <laughs> but I'm watching. I said, I can't fight the system. I've got to do something for my children. 
I'd been sending my students up to Hiles Anderson, and Freed and I at one time, I think, had 16 students out of Hiles Anderson College at a Baptist Bible College that came from a Southern Baptist Church, and Brother Hiles called up and said, why are your students up here and you're not? It was an easy decision. We've been to Hammond before. I remember driving through the streets of Hammond, and I said, look, Frida, people are really living here. <laughs> you know, and, and a trip to Hammond was like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It felt good when he quit. And Brother Hiles offered me a job at Hiles Anderson College. And then to top it off, he offered me a 60% pay cut. We lived in a house in the middle of 32 acres, wooded, about a quarter mile off the road. We were really, really good. I got, I got to drive to the University of Tennessee to work every day along the Tennessee River, beautiful drive. And I was loving my teaching. But I had to consider the lilies. Hardest decision I ever made in my life was coming to Hammond. I believe for over a year, every night, I knelt by each of my children's beds and said, God, for Kelly's sake, I can't make a mistake. God, for Kevin's sake, I can't make a mistake. God, for Kristen's sake, I can't make a mistake. God, for Keith's sake, I can't make a mistake. And we came. My decision, remember what I took, my decision was, this is what gets good. I said, God, if you have to choose between using me and using my kids, use them. Did you know I had a wife and three kids stand behind the pulpit at First Baptist Church across the street before I got there? Did you know when I go to Arizona and I'm out there and everybody says, who are you? And I say, I'm Kevin's daddy. They said, oh. When I go to Oregon, people wonder who I am. I say, I'm Christian's father. Oh. God's answering that prayer. And around here, I go to Sunday school class. Who are you? Well, I'm Keith's father. Oh. I talk to City Baptist kids, and they say, who are you? And I say, I'm Mr. Cervantes' father. Oh. It's working. And how... I get to ride a bus to Sunday school with grandkids. I go soul winning every Saturday with my name, namesake, Pete Cowling. What an honor. Unbelievable. Let's see, I considered the lilies. Why don't most people consider the lilies? Real good reason. They're scared. Right? You think I wasn't scared? But this is the beauty of it. God took care of my biggest problem. When I said, when God said, I'm going to move to, I want you to move to Hammond, I said, surely my wife's not going to put up with this. I said, Frida, I believe it's God's will to move to Hammond. And she said, let's go. Do you have a wife like that? You know, there were some times, we moved up here, it wasn't real bad, but there were times when I didn't have a car that would get out of the driveway. I'm, I'm getting back to that point again now, but anyhow. But, but seriously, look, how, we live in a four-bedroom house with four bathrooms. I'm not fast enough to flush those commodes all at the same time. We got a spiral staircase and a lake behind our house. Suffering for Jesus. And I get to listen to my sons preach. 
point. What are you using to make your decisions? You're living by faith. Who then is the object of your faith? Have you considered the lilies? Wow. Money cannot buy what God has given to me. Do you ever have a carnal fit? I did one. I did one. I figured out how much salary I forfeited by not staying at the University of Tennessee in something like two million dollars. And God said, "Hey Pete, what would you have done with that?" I said, "I'd have spent it." He said, "On what? To make myself happy?" He said, "How are you?" I said, "I'm happy." He said, "Dumb to worry about money, isn't it?" How are we doing? Why don't you consider the lilies? Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith?